Welcome back to the Awkward Bounce, folks. Uh, this is Joe. I'd like to toss over immediately to my co-host, Jer. All right. Well, that was quick, Joe. I um, <laughs> Thanks. Welcome back. Like Joe said, we have with us today uh, a guest that you may or may not have heard of, but uh, we're going to talk Timberwolves with our guest, Jeff Allen, also a local musician. I'd, I had planned a, a clever intro where I was going to say, you know, welcome to our second installment of our local musicians who are also oh, doing yeah. Timberwolves basketball series thinking that maybe we could really build on this brand and eventually get Terry Lewis or Jimmy Jam on the show. That um, would be cool. So if Jeff's really good, I think that that's what will happen. I so think I, you did I, just announce of, with that intro. pressure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Jeff Allen. Hello. Thanks for having me. So before we get into the Timberwolves, do you want to uh, tell, tell people why they might have recently seen you on stage? Sure. I mean, they probably didn't, but that's kind of you to say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, local musician, as is, is Jeremy mentioned, uh, I'm uh, in a band called Tight Jeff. We just released our album Lutheran Teens, first record, and uh, we just did a record release show at the entry, and we're stoked to have the record out and play more shows and do more cool things. I was listening to it on the Spotty. I, I call Spotify the Spotty. Spotty. That's cool. That's what the kids That's are calling it. Cool. Yeah. And, um, I was listening to it on the Spotty on the way over, and I, I was enjoying it, and I was... I was thinking that uh, the the song "Same Tattoo" is kind of like a continuation of the the early Cure song uh, "Jumping Everybody Else's Train." I don't know if you. I know this feel song, really terrible that I have never heard of that song it's ever. A, it's a good one. You should look it up if you have any inclination to be a Cure fan. And it's sort of like pre their current droney. I mean, okay. Like some of the early kind of more rock and. What's it uh, called? Uh, Jumping everyone else's train. Jumping everyone else's train. Yeah, but it has that sort of. That, you know that the idea of being that that we all sort of ended up with the same style and yeah, yeah. and now we're happy about like you know all having the same style. So anyway, um, yeah, I, music I, history. I, I listened to uh, you as well a few weeks ago when uh, before we had Matt Wilson. I'm thinking we might have both of you on at the same time, and I oh. definitely enjoyed it. Uh, I'd say you. a couple of strains. I was just curious that I heard maybe echoed in there were a uh, little Elvis Costello, maybe a little Ray Davies of the Kinks, kind of sure. literate. Kind of witty, uh, catchy pop rock. Is that yeah, fair? Not I think fair? that's super fair. Thank you. And it's an honor to be even in the same galaxy as those dudes, for sure. Yeah. Oh, oh and, and speaking of it, did you guys see the Jayhawks are backing Ray Davies on his new... Uh, yes, I did see that. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Unexpected yeah. and cool. Coming uh, Americana album. Anyway. Yeah, it should be awesome. The Jayhawks have a, have a habit of coming to town about once a once a year-ish and, and me really strongly wanting to go this time I'm going to go I haven't seen them in 20 years and I just never I have, have still have not seen them in 20 it's years it's hard when you get to a certain age just leaving your house is difficult period and especially like multiple times in a row or you know that was when you played that first Avenue show I had every intention of going yeah and I just that, that day rolled up and I was just like I'm not leaving the yeah. house I, yeah yeah um, well you're tethered at a certain point whether you know it or not it and what was happen. interesting about that show is I mean, all of us in the band are, are older, right? Well, by musician standards, right? Like, I'm 35, and most of the other dudes in the band are around the same age. That's pretty old for, like, a local band to be trying to play a show, right? Yeah. We're basically dead, almost. Yeah. Um, and we had to try and time our set so that it would be over before 11.30 because we knew all of our friends who were coming out would have babysitters <laughs> that would need to get home by midnight. Yeah, nice. So it's really cool and uh, very hip of us to do that. Yeah, definitely. As I got older, I've been more interested in in earlier shows. So, 
Joe, you were asking how I how I knew Jeff and how and right. Just real quick, I'll I'll say that I found Jeff via sort of Timberwolves Twitter, you know, and you said, "Oh, this is an interesting smart yeah. basketball fan. I'm going to follow him," and and uh, you know, began to interact with him about Go Wolves, and somehow he posted something about his previous band, the Plastic Constellations, and then I had this sort of this aha, like, "Oh, that's the guy that's good friends with a very good friend of mine. I actually know him." Right. So. Then I said, hey, you know, you know Todd, and he admitted to knowing Todd. I admitted to knowing Todd, which <laughs> is right. not something that most people stop. would do. Yeah. So anyway, that's, it's just always interesting how those connections can, can occur. And so Todd, by the way, said the show was very good, Todd and Kara, at the, at the, awesome. at the entry. So. God bless Todd and Kara. Yeah, Great right, people. Absolutely. Hey, speaking of elaborate introductions, I had one planned that... Uh, <laughs> I, oh, Tight Jeff. So I thought your name was initially was Jeff Tight. And <laughs> I think so I, I thought, might have floated that rumor. In a That's a good confusion. rumor. Yeah. yeah, and then I thought, you know, Jerry and I could sing, you know, Stevie Wonder's Uptight, Everything is All Right, but, you know, yeah. Jeff Tight. Jeff Tight. Except we would have had to, you know, practice and had some talent, which... Uh, yeah, that's uh, tough. I speak for Jerry, but... That's tough. Uh, good thing we're not doing it. <laughs> so this is a, a really awkward attempt to not talk about the Timberwolves game last <laughs> night, which I don't know. Did either of you watch the game? I did not. Okay. I checked the score when I was to bed around midnight and uh, saw that they had lost again to the Pistons in another close game. But I will admit to being blissfully ignorant of the specifics. And I, I followed via box score while I was doing other things uh, and before I kind of semi-lost interest. Yeah, so we're not going to have a smart conversation about the game last night. No. I, I did watch the second half, but it was after having been out to dinner Quick plug for George and the Dragon over in South Minneapolis. Mm, still haven't done that. It's very good. Um, out to dinner and then come home. And then the compromise I frequently reach with my wife, which is we can watch the Timberwolves on the big TV in the living room if we can turn the volume down and listen to music. And then, right. you know, then which is it's actually a very enjoyable thing to do, but the focus is not 100% on anything. So. Yep. Um, so, Jeff, why don't we just get your take on some of the, the, the top Timberwolves talkers of the, of the year. Let's um, do it. What, what, should we just start with your thoughts on the sort of what's being referred to now as the big three in Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, and Zach Levine? Do you, do you think it's fair to call them the big three? I don't. All right. I'm going to come out and say that. Okay. Hot take. Yeah. Um, not that hot. I don't think. No, I, <laughs> probably not. I kind of agree. I, probably not. I think, obviously, Carl Anthony Towns, is. there's no question that he is a big part of something. He's a big one, yeah. for sure. Right? Um, there's no questioning his talent and his potential. Um, the other two, I think it's easy for people to put them in the same category because they're the same age as Carl Anthony Towns. Right. And they display the same obvious visual markers of athleticism that Carl Anthony Towns does, and they show flashes of being something yeah. more. Right. Um, but I think if you look at their games, I'm I'm kind of down on Wiggins in particular. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because there's there's like kind of sort of the down on Wiggins camp, and then the down on Levine camp. Right. And um, and let me ask you: Does that mean down on Wiggins in a vacuum, or down on Wiggins in comparison to obviously the number one pick that we traded love for? Different set of expectations than what was uh, Zach ninth sure. or uh, fourth. Yeah, you know. that's a good. That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I think looking at it through that lens, I probably am unfairly putting a, a little bit of baggage on Wiggins, right? But I think more than anything, people in the down with Wiggins camp are probably reacting to the sort of um, what seems like um, inaccurate 
exalting of Wiggins because he scores a lot of points per game. Right. Right? So people are really stoked on Wiggins because he's 21 and he's scoring, what, like 22 a game yeah. or something right. like that. And that sounds cool. Um, but, you know, if you dig deeper on his game, there's not a lot there. Um, he doesn't rebound. He doesn't pass. He doesn't get steals. His defensive metrics are pretty weak. Right. If you look at, like, ESPN's RPM and stuff of that nature. And he's only 21, so he can certainly turn it around. But he's one of those guys that if he's not hitting his shot, he's not contributing much. And, and I don't know if that'll turn around. When I kind of get down, I don't think I'm as down on, on Wiggins as you are. And I go a little back and forth. But I, I worry about the, some of the stuff you brought up. Right. Uh, I think about um, when I get down on him, the the highlight effect and his his high highlights are great. I mean, but right. everyone's. I mean, let's be honest. If you brought a camera out to the church gym I play at and just somehow captured my top highlight, you would be like, <laughs> "Wow, he's really pretty good." You know, it's, it's because a horrible miss. a horrible shot went in and trail right. with people draped all over me. Yeah, so yeah. everyone's highlights are great. The concern I have for Wiggins is uh, is with the internet now people capture lowlights and his yeah. lowlights are. Him literally standing there with his arms hanging there as you know, as, as somebody just grabs yeah. a rebound that he didn't even react to or something. So right. I think the eye test on the low lights for Andrew Wiggins make it hard to be a hundred percent certain that he's going to be sort of the next, you know, big thing. Yep. Um, Zach Levine low lights seem to be more him like moving very quickly in the wrong direction. Or <laughs> At least it's sort of an effort, not right. tend to be a lack of effort. So. Um, I would agree with that. What's your take on Zach Levine then? Um, I'm a little higher on Levine in terms of long-term potential. I think he's probably a worse defender than Wiggins at this point. Right. He's just so skinny yeah. that it's hard for him to stay engaged and not knocked over right. by people. And it's harder, it seems hard for him to move around picks and stay with his guys. Um, but in terms of his long-term potential, I think his shooting creates opportunities for his lineups when he's on the floor. And I don't think Wiggins provides that yet anyways. I mean, career Wiggins is a, you know, low 30s uh, percent three-point shooter, whereas, I mean, this year Levine is just crushing it on the threes, and I think that's super beneficial to a lineup when he's on the floor. Now, I'd heard that Zach played better in the first half yesterday than he's been in a while because he's, he's looked off since the hip injury, yeah, I think. He, has. he just hasn't. He started. I, he was starting to sell me on on his, you know, st- path to superstardom, and then he just kind of came back for that hip injury and has been, you know, then then we won two games against the top teams in the leagues without him, and then he came back and looked terrible. And sure, it's it's been hard to, to stay as high on him for me. So that's I appreciate the reminder, Jeff. Let me ask yeah. you guys kind of a, a hot take question follow up. Let's just assume big assumption that current Shabazz, you know, who's Weirdly, defensive metrics look really good, and yeah. who's hitting shots and coming in scoring like a microwave. Uh, let's say that's him, and he, 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 you know, he's made some leap, and that's kind of who he is. Uh, is he starter material? Does he make either Wiggins or Living more uh, expendable as a valuable trade chip, or am I just kind of going way too far with the pendulum on a recent hot streak? It's a fair question. Um, he has been playing well of late. But I would kind of put him in a similar camp to Wiggins. Um, I think Shabazz, I looked it up the other day, is averaging like less than one assist per 36 minutes or something like that, which is almost impossible. Right. right. <laughs> and then he had an LU 
dunk pass where he passed it, and I think um, Gorgie Jang dunked it. And it was just like the most improbable right. basketball play. Yeah. It's <laughs> well, like I, that'll I, never happen I, again. I think someone commented he, he hit Ricky Rubio, and Rubio hit like some shot. It's like, yeah. whoever thought they'd see <laughs> yeah, that? Right. It's like the only time right. that's ever happened or right. ever will, right? Both Rubio hitting the shot and Shabazz passing it. I mean, I think I'd put him in the same camp as Wiggins. I'm just not a big fan of this is not like a unique viewpoint, but I'm not a big fan of players who only add value through scoring because right. I think that that's uh, they don't then contribute to lineups that are greater than the sum of their parts. And lineups are the currency of the NBA, right? If, if you get nice, if you get five pieces that fit together right. really well. In like the Golden State Warriors death lineup, right? Yeah. You know, Harrison Barnes on his own is not an incredible player, but when he was plugged into that lineup right. with Iguodala, there was something about the way their skills fit together that made it greater than the sum of their parts. Yeah, and I feel like Shabazz and sadly to say Wiggins kind of don't have a lot of those intangibles that can make a lineup really sing. Right. So, just a quick sidebar: we were just saying before this that this is about our twentieth or so episode. Um, I think that lineups are the currency of the NBA. It might be the smartest thing that's been said on this podcast so far. <laughs> that's definitely up there. I <laughs> wow. like that. Okay. So I, I, I'm just property gonna, of awkward I'm, bounce and suit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've gonna, got it. I'm it's copyrighted. I might put it on my on my Twitter bio or something. Right. Um, so I, but I agree, and I think I think relationships factor into that too. It's not always sure. just basketball skills, which is. I think is a hope for the Timberwolves that these guys are kind of growing together and like each other, and they seem like likable people. I, yeah. Um, last podcast, we, um, Matt Wilson kind of talked about how we need somebody with more of a fu attitude on the team, and yeah, um, you know, Baz kind of has that a little bit offensive, but he's so single-minded. The only thing he wants to do is bully his way to the hoop and score, right. or get an offensive rebound so he can bully his way. To the <laughs> yeah, hoop right. And score. Frequently, yeah, right? an offensive rebound off his his own miss. I'm cu- that's a that's a good point. I'm curious. I, I bet you, like half of his rebounds have to be offensive rebounds. Yeah. I don't think he Pretty puts high. the same effort into the defensive rebounding side as he does the. Or offense. he just isn't looking that. I mean, somehow he just isn't focused on that. When I mean, when right. you're always looking at the basket, then you then you're one of the first people to see which direction the ball's bouncing right get, it, offensive rebounds are anticipation and also reaction and right. so first person to know where it's going has a line on it right uh, especially if you're already heading that direction which he frequently is to answer your overall question about uh shabazz muhammad there was a a very unsubstantiable and substantiated rumor going around Ooh, i, I love think those. yesterday yeah they're the best and there's a lot this this time of year and they just make us all talk at endlessly yeah. about trading our favorite players but there was a a, a a rumor that the Wolves had offered Shabazz Muhammad to the Phoenix Suns for P.J. Tucker. And I'm probably at o- overly high on P.J. Tucker, uh, but, but I like him in, in the way that Jeff was kind of talking about as a, as a guy who adds value to a lot of different lineups, primarily as a defender, but as right. a tough-nosed guy. Um, I, I would do that in a heartbeat. I don't think Phoenix would. Now, the, the, no. the advantage... For the Phoenix, might be that Shabazz Muhammad's a restricted free agent who probably is going to command less attention and money this summer than PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker is a, a unrestricted free agent, and and there's going to be a lot of teams. So it would be a, a potential rental for the Wolves. Maybe the team that maybe inside track if he likes Tibbs and likes playing, you know, along Andrew Wiggins or something. But um, so to, to overall answer your question about uh, Shabazz Muhammad, I. I still would trade him for P.J. Tucker, even with the fact that Tucker might be a rental. Right. 
Well, uh, <clears throat> but I'm happy with yeah. his improvement lately. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know if you guys were able to read uh, Britt Robson's two-part interview with Tibbs on City. Uh, I read part one. Part two is uh, bookmarked on my phone. Okay, yeah. so it is actually written out. I thought yeah. it was audio. No, it's written. Yeah. Oh, so okay. I was thinking 78 minutes of audio. I'm not mm. going to sit and listen to that. <laughs> but right. if it's written, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. i got to check it out. Yeah, it's, yeah, very, it's very good. good. It's, it's, you know, pretty much every year for the past seven, five or six years, he's had kind of this mid-season long interview with you know, either sure. Sam or Flip or whoever. Uh, you know, and, and, and Tibbs isn't someone who, he's not a flip, you know, he's going right. to play things much more straight, but very impressive. Anyway, uh, the reason I refer to that is it kind of reinforced to me the notion of that Tibbs really did come in here with a long view of like, here's our core guys. Uh, I just want to really get a good grip and see what they can do together and individually. And I'm going to take the time and, and then have some flexibility to move forward. And so to put a kind of poor analogy, you guys hopefully talk me out of but I feel like it's almost like making a cake where we got all these ingredients. We finally got some premium ingredients. We put them together. We mix them. We put them in the oven. And now we have to wait for like an hour and a half to see, mm-hmm. is it going to rise? Is it going to fall flat? Right. And what do you do while it's raising? It's not that fun to look through the glass on your oven and just sure. see some cake sitting there and hoping it does something. You know, is, And I'm not saying I'm going to go away from the wolves and come back in two years and, damn it, they better be good. Right. But how do... I don't know if we're just kind of watching more of Wiggins ISO to see if he can grow in that area. And I don't know more of the same where they're good. Some games and poor some, I don't know what, what should I be watching to kind of get my uh, juju back up this season? Right. And I think, I think that's a really good metaphor and it's pretty obvious that Tibbs is riding that starting five really heavily to, to probably to see what they got to your point. Right. I mean, the starting five has played, a million minutes together and if you go to like basketballreference.com and look at the other lineups that we've employed it's there's no other lineup that's even close so but that starting lineup has a negative point differential for the year like it's two points below or it's they were losing by two points per 100 possessions or something like that so it's clear that he knows it's not totally working but that he wants to just let the cake bake and see what he's got and i i totally get that by the same token, because Wiggins and Levine and Towns are playing all their minutes together, at least not all, but a lot, it sort of feels like there's some missed opportunities for them to learn from somebody like a Cole Aldrich or a Brandon Rush on the finer points of the intangible team defense right. or other things. Or even learn how to play with somebody who ultimately might be a better fit. Right. You know, I've, I've said, and I stand by, that I'm not convinced... Wiggins and Levine are a good pairing on the wing. Agreed. Um, I think they, they, they want to do similar things in similar spots. Not the same way, but... And then uh, the same with, with Chang and Towns. I'm not convinced that they're a good pairing Agreed. on the front court. Right. So by playing those two pairings together that many minutes, um, it, just from a learning standpoint, I wonder if... You know, if Wiggins learned to play with a guy like Rush who spaces the floor and goes yeah. you know, makes the right cuts, yep. the Wiggins would have a better sense of, of that skill um, maybe we eventually bring in someone who's younger than Rush that right. does that and Wiggins knows how to do it where you but know, he'll learn through those reps with Rush right. how to do it how, yeah. because it does seem like Wiggins and Levine sort of do a you're it I'm it take turns yep. you know self-creating thing for uh, too often right so, if you take the starting lineup and you replace Zach Levine with Brandon Rush that's our best lineup in terms of point differential per 100 possessions of any lineup that's played more than like 30 minutes 
So there's something about when Levine and Wiggins are together. Right. They're just, they're both so inexperienced. They're both so, honestly, small and skinny that they just get pushed around. Right. So there's something to be said for trying to switch it up a little bit. And I think, you know, when, when Belitza, who who just can't seem to find consistency, and some yeah. of it is going to be matchup dependent, I think, but when, when he's playing well and being the, the power forward that we kind of hope that he would be, that he hasn't been able to consistently be, he and Towns look really well, really great together with, yeah. with you know, an extra ball handler in the front court. He occupies very different spots on the floor and wants to, you know, wants to do different things. Um, even though he's not really, hasn't really lived up to his shooting reputation, he at least does have range to really spread the floor. He, he spreads the floor more than Jang does. Yeah. yeah. So, and he shoots faster. I mean, Jang, you know, even, even if Jang stands in the corner, the defender can leg off a little bit right. and still get out to defend because he's got that that, that wind-up when he kind of has to do like that. Um, <laughs> right. So so since you had a forced cake analogy, I'm going to switch topics a little bit. with a, With a forced... No, I'm going to stick with your analogy, but I'm going to... Mostly I just want to make a reference, but I want to... I'm going to... I'm gonna, um, one thing that has remained consistent throughout all the Wolves' up and downs has been the ownership. And there's been some changes with Tibbs, but ultimately... Does it not matter? Is is Glenn Taylor just going to leave the cake out in the rain? Wow, there's a there's a callback. Cake in the rain. Uh, I uh, he'll never find the recipe again. Yeah. But um, I I mean it's a reference to a song. What uh, song are we talking Mac- about? MacArthur Park. Uh, Richard I, Harris. Yeah, I'm, I'm a wow. huge. This is the second song that I don't know about. I'm a huge podcast. Glenn Campbell fan, and the the Glenn Campbell version of MacArthur Park uh. with the South Dakota Orchestra is it might be. It, it's not the best thing on YouTube because the best thing on YouTube is the uh, the video of. Um, I can't think of the guy's name. The, the, it's the, the cartoon recap of the guy pitching a no-hitter on LSD. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. And uh, it's just a... Ferguson Jenkins, name. maybe? No, that's not it. I can't think Catfish of it. Catfish Hunter. Uh, one of the... I don't well, know. I know. But it's... Baseball a, player guy. Yeah, it's his name. Yeah. It's a really great cool animation. like animation of, of him telling this story. Yeah, yeah. But the, um, Glenn Campbell doing MacArthur Park with the South Dakota Orchestra is in the running for second best thing on YouTube. So... Go wow. Find it. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm I gonna stand have to check that. this out. Yeah. It, it's very elaborate song. It's almost, uh, in some ways, like a Bohemian Rhapsody, only more kind of show tunish. Um, I mean, Richard Harris, you know, great actor. You don't think of him as a singer, and I just his version, which is the one I refer. But anyway, getting back to Glenn. Taylor, yes. Uh, Let's not keep exposing my lack of cultural knowledge, <laughs> yeah. please. Uh, I mean, I'm encouraged in the past years some of the things he's done. In that, you know, obviously going out and hiring Tibbs was. You know, a smart move, yeah. fast move that's not normally associated with the way he'd been doing things. Right. And allowing him to kind of really revamp the whole basketball operations. Bringing in uh, an investor from China, I think, is kind of cool and forward-looking uh, as well. And, you know, you can argue pro and con on the KG thing, but I, I, I don't know. I feel like if he had brought KG immediately into ownership or something based on Flip's pro, I don't know. That seems like it would have been awkward. Yeah. So... Uh, I don't know if he left the cake out in the rain, but hopefully he's doing better things. Jeff, what do you uh, take this in a more constructive direction? Please. Uh, I I agree with you. I feel like where we're at right now with Tibbs being the coach, Tibbs being the general manager, um, I'm more comfortable with the current state of Timberwolves management than I've 
probably ever been in my tenure as a Timberwolves fan. And that's even with the flaws that Tibbs has. Like, he plays players too many minutes. That still is happening. Um, he rides the young guys a little too hard sometimes. But even with those flaws, I feel great. And I c- give kudos to Glenn, to your point, for quickly making that move um, after Flip's unfortunate passing. Um, was that luck? Or was that Glenn had a new vision and now he's really smart? I- I don't know. <laughs> I'm just happy it happened. I mean, I'm not happy that Flip died, obviously. That's yeah. terrible. But when Flip was in charge, I also still felt like I don't know if we are looking at things like statistics to make decisions or that we're really keeping tabs on the salary cap. I mean, there was still just a lot of uncertainty there in my mind. You know, Glenn, Glenn seemed to seems to like, and, and I don't really like this model, but he seems to like the bring in one really smart you know, who he decides is a smart basketball person, and um, and stay out, try to stay out of the way, and just let them do everything. Coach, general manager, you know he and uh, he did that with Flip. Flip had all the power, and then he brought in a guy from the outside, and and Tibbs, and sort of has given him complete control. So, right. so maybe that's a indicative of, of Taylor really saying, you know, I I just need to sit on the side, spot, sidelines and decide. You know, when you tell me to spend money, I'll spend money, and. You know, that's a really good point. He has that positive quality of he agrees to stay out of the way of whoever's running the team. Right. He's always been that way. And yeah. that's a that's a check mark on the pro side for Glenn Taylor. Yeah, I think so too. I think people are gonna I mean, I'm projecting in, in straw man argument, but I think he's he's been underappreciated and I think when he's gone, depending on what follows, people are gonna look back fondly on uh, despite the long, horrible streak in the country club stuff, it just you know he's a guy who's very committed to keep the team here in Minnesota. Which yep. it's number one. You don't have a team, you don't have anything. Right. And like I said, he wasn't an interfering type of guy. He's he loyal to a fault, but at least you know he's a loyalty. You know, uh, so we'll we'll see. I think he was initially very beloved for for saving the team. Right. Um, and then. There started to be some rumblings of, you know, the country club and what's the one constant is always is the owner and, and the way the leadership seems to work, but Tibbs is a is a is a different look than we've seen. Totally uh, different. And so, and and we're not even a full season into that experiment. So it's very fair, I think, for to say, Glenn Taylor staying out of a different type of leadership's way and let's see what happens with this it. This conversation is interesting because it's actually making me in the moment here rethink my my thoughts on Glenn because I was I was in that sort of um, knee-jerk sort of anti-Glenn camp for many years and I probably still am a little bit on the con side on Glenn in terms of just his his overall management style but there's a lot to like about him. I mean, you're right. I mean, he, he kept the team here. He hasn't been afraid to spend money when it was required. Right, right. Um, you know, he, you know, the Cassell Spreewell years and they paid KG what he was worth, you know, so he stepped up. He hasn't been a cheapskate. Um, he's stayed out of the way of the people that he's put in charge. I mean, there's a lot that you could say positive about him. He just has the one flaw, which is he doesn't seem to know how to properly evaluate who to put in charge and then leave alone. He knows to leave them alone. Yeah. He doesn't know who to put in charge. He doesn't know how to evaluate who's going to be the right basketball mind. Right. And I don't know if he got good all of a sudden with Tibbs or if that just fell in his or lap. If he just got some really good advice. Yeah. yeah. Like like Tibbs was yeah. available. He was obvious. Every the whole basketball world said he's the best guy available. Yes. And Glenn just said, "All right, let's right. go get him." I mean, can you yeah. imagine any other owner in the NBA putting David Kahn in charge of their franchise? Uh, yes. 
The New York Knicks might. I mean, they they've made a lot of really. <laughs> he was. He's not splashy it. enough of a name for I the Knicks. I guess Tom Sterling's no longer an owner, but uh, <laughs> and I, I, admittedly, much higher, higher on, on, the, on a vacuum on Con than most people. Even though, okay. I, don't think he, I don't think he was good, but um, yeah, he had some redeeming qualities. I think the, thing, the thing about Con that will that will always creep in the back of my mind is, was he just starting to finally get it when he was let go? Like right. he, he and Adelman seemed like, if Adelman had been more engaged, yeah, seemed like a really it good. It seemed pairing. like Khan yep, was starting recognizing that handing out all those contracts, as everyone likes to say, wasn't working, and he was starting to try to build a, a team that made sense. I I think it was the right decision to fire him when they did, but it it was it's possible that had he not been fired when he was, that he was he was starting to make better choices. I would agree with that. I mean, that team that we had, I think it was the final year before he was let go. Was that the year we had Karolinko? And, uh, or yeah, no? I think he brought in Karolinko, right? Oh, that yeah. was a Definitely, but whether it was the year or two years before, I don't remember. I don't remember. There was some that year was where team, yeah. it was. it seemed like it was going pretty well. Uh, we didn't make the playoffs because our we just were throwing a bunch oh, we of close games. We were like 40 games. and 42. Yeah. Like, and we yeah. lost like, we're yeah. like 1 and 13 on games decided by yeah, the last. But something we lost. We yeah, kept losing every games close in the game. last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a really fun team. I can't remember if that was Khan's last year or if that was Flip's first year. That I was Khan's last year. Was it? I mean, yeah. Still, yeah. Yeah, Kirilenko and But you're right. That was, we had the foundation of something there. I think that, you know, the, the, the negative that will always stand out for Khan is just the sort of Buffoonery of the Kevin Love contract negotiation that you know made like to publicly sort of and, and some of that was on um, our owner who we were just talking about. I mean, he was kind of right. was saying right. publicly saying negative things about Kevin Love too. Right, Kevin Love's not yeah. warm and cuddly, but he was a pretty good basketball player. So yeah, and again, I don't. It's hard to know from the outside how much of that was Con at Glenn's behest, not giving Love that extra year, or whether it was Con's decision. I think Con's style. As much as anything, turn people off is just as much, if, is, you know, if not more than his actual basketball decisions. I, I agree with that. He's easy to dislike. Yeah, just he, the way he talks, he was. the way he acted was easy to dislike. Now, in um, Khan and, and Glenn Taylor's defense of the public comments that Kevin Love is a, you know, would be the third best player on a championship basketball team. I think it was uh, fourth best. Yeah, that, that that kind of is what happened. I mean, he was last year. He was he was. A, a high important player, clearly not LeBron, and then we can argue right. who was the most uh, second most important player uh, on that Cavs championship run, but it sure. probably wasn't Kevin Love. Probably wasn't necessary to say that publicly, though, right? It was probably necessary not to have said that. Yeah, publicly. That's, that's a better way of putting just, it. Don't don't say that type of thing. Um, and I, you know, you're right. That stands out as a folly for him, the Kevin Love contract. But the big thing that I always come back to is the 2009 draft. I know a lot of people do. I mean, that was leading up to that night, the 2009 draft. If you'll remember, it was just like a week or so or a couple days before the draft where we traded Randy Foy and Mike Miller to the Wizards right. to get the fifth pick. And when he did that, that was one of his first moves, Khan's first great move. Yeah. It was great. And I was so excited. Yeah. Um, that is, and this is a sad statement, but that's probably the most excited I've ever been as a Timberwolves fan besides the 2004 playoff run, right? Is when we made that trade. Right. I was like, this guy might know what he's doing. Right. And we could get two franchise-changing picks. And I'm thinking of James Harden. I'm thinking of Steph Curry. I'm yeah. thinking of 
Ricky Rubio, and um, I got so incredibly excited for that night that I invited people over. Oh, a draft party. Yeah, and we like had beers, we ordered pizza, it was an event, and uh, when he took Ricky Rubio, I felt... I was uneasy about it, but I was I could see it. And then I thought, okay, well, we're going Steph Curry next. Um, and not that I could have predicted Steph Curry would become MVP Steph right. Curry. Yeah. But it seemed like such a fit, right? Like Rubio could play point, Curry could play the two, or Curry could play the one. Right. And we're set. Put pair these guys with Al Jefferson and Kevin Love, and we're yeah. We're the world going. is our oyster. Yes. And uh, Kurt Rambis, an obvious great coaching pedigree. What can go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> this wispy ass mullet. Um, but some of your songs? W- it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then when the Flynn pick came in, I was like literally devastated. Yeah, it like ruined bad. my night. Uh, How long was it? It was like that, I don't know, five minutes or 15 minutes between those picks was like, you're right, kind of the golden era of. The golden era of Timberwolves oh, basketball, that yeah. five minutes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> five minutes before Johnny Flynn. And I. I, you know, I, I'll forever be honest in saying that I was not a Steph Curry believer. I just seemed yeah. like a guy that could shoot lights out from the college three that was just too small, sure. and it just wasn't going to happen in the NBA. That said, I was also not on board with Johnny Flynn. You know, right. you're picking because he had a great overtime game in yeah. the tournament yeah. for yeah. a team that never produces NBA players, with the one exception of Carmelo Anthony. I right. Mean, Syracuse players tend not to it's just it just i don't know it doesn't seem like it works so yep <sighs> and then so. the next year we took another syracuse product over to marcus cousins we took west johnson at i know four. what because you know demarcus cousins snarled at somebody or I mean, well yeah. yeah i mean i guess there is some maybe we wouldn't want demarcus cousins based upon how his career has gone so far and his attitude who knows? who knows i think he would have been good i think i don't know i'm a cousins fan i mean he's yeah he he can make some mistakes of, of attitude, and he isn't like the world's greatest guy, maybe, but he's not also the world's worst, and he's fun, fun basketball player. He's not as bad as Trump. We'll put it that way. No. <laughs> In terms of the world's worst, I'm person. trying to think of who's worse than Trump and uh, in the basketball world. Of, in the basketball most world, of his, who's uh, worse than Trump? That's a good question. Ooh, Chris Paul. No, well, oh no! Come on, Chris Paul is a fantastic. <laughs> I do not like Chris Paul, and I'm on the record. Uh, well, just to, to spin it in another direction. Yeah, uh, save yeah. us. Yeah, again. So, Let's so stay Jeff, away from politics. You, you said you uh, spent like the first decade or so of your life in Milwaukee. So I was yeah. curious if you had been, as a young tyke, a Bucks fan, and/or if you still have any, because uh, they're they're obviously a very fun they are team to follow currently too. Yeah, I was a big Bucks fan when I was a kid, um, but. Uh, I was in Milwaukee between the years of 1981 and 1991, and the Bucks. I I just don't recall anything particularly memorable about them besides their uniforms, which were totally kick-ass. It had the cartoon deer on yeah, it. Yeah, right. Uh, that was like a really friendly-looking deer. Um, but I primarily remember seeing Michael Jordan a couple times at uh, the Bradley Center uh, against the Bucks, and that oh, was that was exciting. Cool. Um, but I'm to think of a player in that era. Michael Red was, or is that be- Randy? Did you leave before that? Something. Uh, is, is it, I mean, it's obviously post Kareem and pre Ricky Pierce, right? 
Yeah, pre Maybe. pre the kind of Ray Allen, Michael right. Red playoff right. run. Yeah. So yeah, it was not a memorable. Did they time. have it? Did they kind of just fold the franchise for those ten years? Like I can't picture. Just kind of took a break. Just yeah. took yeah. a break. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of took a break of <laughs> basketball. Off. Yeah. I can't picture one Milwaukee Buck from the eighties. Yeah, but they are a really fun team now, for sure. Um, and I. I think um, I've always had a soft spot on my heart for Wisconsin teams. I'm still a Packer fan. Um, still, still a fan of the Bucks and the Brewers too. I think a lot of Wolves fans have willingly adopted the Milwaukee Bucks as sort of their second favorite team, partially yeah. because they're just fun, partially because there's there's the sports fan who just hates all things Wisconsin because they're our neighbors. But people who are wired differently look at. Milwaukee is kind of a kindred spirit of a of a mid-sized yeah. larger midwestern city and a forgotten uh, basketball town. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then um in the in the Eastern Conference, I mean, you can root for the Bucks 80 games a year until the finals. Right. And it and it doesn't hurt you at all. So, I I say I, I the Bucks are fun and I hope they continue to be fun. Yeah, they're kind of in the same current stage, maybe one step ahead of where the Wolves are too, so it's it's kind of be fun to watch them grow up together, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. I would love nothing more than a, a Timberwolves Bucks NBA Finals. It would be, I mean, this will be five, six years from now, right? If, if they could, ever, if they could get rid of the uh, governor of Wisconsin, that could be the uh, the high speed rail series, right? <laughs> finally, get that high speed rail from Minneapolis That'd to be Chicago, awesome. go through Milwaukee, and then that could be its unveiling. Could be the finals. I like it. Can you imagine the ratings on a Bucks Timberwolves final? Oh, I would watch every game. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's one. The ratings would be high in my house. There's one. Yeah. That's not enough. I'm guessing Adam Silver's looking for more I'll than buy, I'll just buy a, average Jerry. I'll buy a lot of uh, Kia. Well, just just to uh, play the uh, devil's advocate, which I like to do, uh, if both teams reach their potential, I think actually people would watch because you've got you know alphabet hands versus cat. I mean, you've got some right. really fun and exciting players. Just the way that San Antonio, a smaller metro area, that's true. They were great. You know, but, it's all about. Yeah, but that's I think true, and people that. enjoyed watching Oklahoma City too with exactly. with Westbrook and Durant. I think that, that there is that, but then if you sort of have three levels of people when you talk about ratings, and I think you have the uh, the diehard basketball fans who we're going to watch no matter what. I mean, right. bring on the Detroit San Antonio Finals! I can't get enough of this mm-hmm. defensive battle. This is great. Then you have the sort of mid level basketball fans who are saying, you know, well that. That Detroit San Antonio didn't do it for me, but Westbrook and Durant, that was fun. I don't care there's a small market. I'm a sports fan. This is fun. Right. And then you have the I don't give two hoots about sports really, but I get swept up in my communities thing. And then that's where they right. want Los Angeles versus New York because that that sweep brings the ratings up and I think that that's totally. what people some say. Ex- oh, I think it's partly counterbalanced by then all the people. It's like you know, I'm not going to watch the Yankees. I'm t- I hate the Yankees. Unless you hate them enough that you want to watch them. But it's more like not another, you know, New York. Yeah, I mean, there's. I think that the, the, the haters, the sports fans who are ha- such big haters of certain teams that they wouldn't watch the finals in their favorite sports because of that team is pretty small. I mean, are they, there probably okay, are some people. Me, sorry. There probably are some <laughs> people who refuse to watch the Super Bowl tomorrow because um, – they hate the, New, the New England's in it, but even most of those haters are just going to watch and root against New England, right? right. So. It is fun when the Lakers are good, and I hate the Lakers. Like, if there's a franchise that I irrationally hate, it's the Los Angeles oh, Lakers. Right. Not even irrationally, Adam. Well, yeah. right? good point. Thank you. <laughs> 
I mean, my, my hatred for them stems clearly from uh, a very personal and subjective place, is what I'm saying. Is that, you know, a couple things. First, they knocked the Timberwolves out of the playoffs multiple times during their prime KJ years, and they were always arrogant when they did it. Yeah, they were. And second, Kobe messed up Ricky Rubio's rookie yes, season. Yes, he did. And that rookie season was magical. It was. When he was threading passes between legs for people, yeah. and I was like, oh my God, this was, is incredible. It was the Ricky we'd been waiting for. And then it was over because of Kobe. Yeah. And uh, also, Kobe Bryant is a horrendous human being, and yeah. I don't like he's him. He's not somebody that's fun to root for. No. And he's never been the best player on a championship team. That's true. Paul Gasol was least, probably better. Or at least the most important. Year? Or at least he's never been the most important. That's that's probably right. my favorite hot take to make and let people fight with me about because the, the people who love Kobe, there's a lot of people who are really, you know, look at Kobe's, and, and he was more than just scoring, but even I, think with, I think he overrated himself. I couldn't agree more. How he managed to get into the Michael Jordan comparison conversation is just befuddling to me. Yeah, I couldn't well agree played, more. Well played, Kobe. Even with all of the annoyances of the Lakers and how much we all hate them, it's fun when they're good because it feels like sure. the rest of America gets more invested well, and right. engaged. Right? Would you watch the Star sport. Wars movies if Darth Vader was kind of weak and like it fell down the stairs yeah. all the time? You know? like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just not as compelling. To you me. are describing the <laughs> current Lakers weak Darth Vader. Yeah, Darth right, Vader. Exactly. Kind of as a gray, menacing gray suit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but you're right. It's not even even with Boston or New York when they're good. It's still not quite the same, right? As, as the Lakers being good. Yeah, there's something about the Lakers. It's fun for people. I think most people would like to see their favorite team beat the Lakers. Their favorite team beat the Cowboys. Their favorite team beat the Yankees. the Yankees yeah. in the respective big sports. And then just. Does hockey even have kind of like a super hated superpower? The Penguins, maybe, but they're kind of a beloved it's, superpower. In the old days, it would have been Montreal because yeah. they were so dominant, but and that's they were been Canadian. a long time right. boring, and it's, I don't think so. Yeah. The Red Wings, maybe? I, don't, I always kind of like, uh, yeah, hockey's just different. Yeah. It's so niche and nobody really cares. Well, it's not like soccer. Let's not go too far. <laughs> I think soccer definitely has that. Right, like the big superpowers. That, I mean, when you get into international soccer, the way they build clubs, and right. I don't know who they are, but they absolutely have like that they super do. hated built teams. I know very little about soccer, but I do know that in the English Premier League, isn't there like a couple teams that always win everything? Yeah, there are. Joe just hates soccer and can't can't uh, get enough digs in. Just hate soccer uh, in general. I play it up for, for <laughs> a fact, but I just doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't do much for me. Yeah, understood. Um, so, you know, I kind of brought up the Bucks, so I'll ask a, a interesting taker, a talker, which uh, I can't pronounce the guy's name. I should learn how to do it, but the the, the Greek player whose name shall be not tr- attempted. Giannis. Giannis. Okay. So, Giannis, Carl Anthony Towns, or um, Porzingis, and, and maybe we have to put uh, Nurk- Nurkic. Jokic. Jokic. One of the itch. The the better of the itches in Denver, like like. Which one of those guys is the guy to start a, a franchise with right let, now? Let me just throw in, is, is Anthony Davis old too old to be part of that, or is he mm, kind of part question. of that? Good question. He's only 23, right? Yeah, if you want to, you can wild card anyone you want. And Anthony Davis, I don't, I'll I think, throw him in there. Just throw him in there, yeah. Okay. What do you think? Who, who are we starting our franchise with? So the options were Giannis, Cat, Davis, Jokic. 
and who? Porzingis. And Porzingis. The zinger. Or Ricky Root. But if, no. but if there's somebody, I'm, I mean, if there's somebody <laughs> I'm missing, go ahead and, and I mean, I guess I'd no, just I think say you've got it. Those yeah. seem to be the people that people say who do you, you know? I would start with one of these guys. So I think if you've got Davis in there, that makes it really tough. Um, True. I think if we pull Davis out, pull uh, him out. Let's pull him out because that's yeah. funner. I but coming into this season, I would have said Carl Anthony Towns without question. Right. Uh, what Giannis has done is so incredible and it has such a demonstrably positive impact to his team when he's on the floor that I'd put them tied at this point. I mean, I think Cat still could have a higher ceiling potentially, but defensively, he's just not having the kind of impact yet that I think he'll have to have in order to be at Giannis's level. I think today Giannis is better. I agree, and I also think you know there's something that the Wolves fans seem to not really want to admit to ourselves, which yeah. is, you know, even the fully realized version of Carl Anthony Towns is still a big in the modern NBA, and you know the fully realized Giannis is a wing and yeah. and and a ball handling wing at that. So it, who can also protect the rim right. better currently yeah. than Carl Anthony so, Towns? I mean, that just. Pos- Positionally, there's value. I think he, I think he kind of becomes the answer to that question for me by default, yeah. just based on positionally. Right. Um, so it's maybe more interesting to say, look at those other four, including Davis, and get get the wings. And yeah. it's funny because you could add in uh, Joel Embiid if you yeah. wanted. To, oh, I or, probably should have actually. Or, Good point. And who knows with Ben Simmons? But what's, to me, is interesting is. Kind of the, the players right now who are like in their absolute prime and just mind-boggling, you know, Harden and Westbrook and Curry and probably a few others. Durant, is, Like yeah. they're all, you know, on this smaller kind of wingy guardy guys. Right. And then all these upcoming guys, next wave, seems like they're all kind of big. Is it just a pendulum swinging? Is it coincidence? Or what's the deal here? Yeah, is there a, is there a dominant in their prime big man? Maybe Anthony Davis is the, is that. And his team is. I, think he's, I mean, Midland. he's probably still a few years away from his prime. I right. Think, he's been in the league for a while. Twenty three. I mean, he's he's kind of probably entering. He's, clo- it. he's entering it. Is sure. he going to get better? Yep. I mean, he's not going to get better than he is this year, is he? It'll be incremental. Right. But um, but he's not in the MVP. I don't think he's in the MVP conversation the way these other players, like in their late twenties, are. But Embiid should have definitely been included in my original question. Yeah. He's, no, you're right. He's been really yeah. good. If he can stay healthy. He might. He could be the answer to the, this question. Um, Porzingis is really fun, you know. But I agree with you. I don't think that. I think the conventional wisdom for many years, um, and it may still be in place in certain parts of the league, is that if you have a dominant big man, that's the best thing you could hope for. Right. And I don't know if that's true anymore. No, I. I it helps for right. sure. Oh, yeah. But somebody like Giannis, Durant, Westbrook, Harden, who can switch, is fast, right. um, creates opportunities for their teammates on the offensive end, that's somebody who adds more value right now. And Towns, for all that he does, doesn't really create oppor- a ton of opportunities for his teammates on the offensive end. He does a little bit through his shooting. He stretches things out, but he's not... He's a good passer, but it's not the same impact that a Giannis can have or a Westbrook can And have. I think bringing this full circle to some of what you were saying early in the podcast, Jeff, is that's the reason to be high on Andrew Wiggins, is he fully realized that Andrew Wiggins is everything you want in the NBA right, right now. A, guy, you know, a wing who can do everything, who can create you know, end-of-the-game opportunities, who can get his teammates involved. He, he does need to 
continue to develop yeah. other than scoring. Right. But if he does that, and he's still young, if he, you know, if he does that, wow. You know, so that, Could that's be awesome. why it's hard to just sort of I agree. And he's still young. We're not, I'm certainly not advocating giving up on him. Right. But, but I think it's fair to say what you said, which is not, not convinced that this is an obvious big three to build around. Agreed. And I'm kind of there, too. I go back and forth between who do I like better, Wiggins or Levine. And I, I vacillate. Um, I, land, I think I land at Andrew Wiggins more frequently, but I, I don't spend all my time there. Sometimes I kind of entertain the idea that I'm more excited about Levine. Yeah. Which is a problem, right? You'd, if one of them was who we wanted them to be, there would be no debate. Yep. Because exactly. they're not both going to be super duper stars. At, right. No, we're just not that lucky of a franchise. No, Sorry. No, we're quite the opposite <laughs> in terms of luck for a right. franchise. How are we doing on time there, We're probably um, getting to be about wrap it up sure. time. Well, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it was really fun. Any last thoughts on the Timberwolves or anything else? Or do you want to let people know where they can find you yeah. on, the, sure. on the Twitter, both to follow your basketball knowledge and your uh, music career? Yes. Uh, on Twitter, I am tight Jeff, T-Y-T-E, Jeff. But not spelled like Gioff, because that's not how the name weird. Jeff should be spelled. Yeah. J-E-F-F, okay. the proper American way. All right. Well, thanks for sharing your basketball knowledge with us. It's a good time. Ditto. Thank you. Thanks, guys. <laughs>